Welcome into the 334 Sports Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Colby Bergstrom, joined alongside, of course, by Nick Royden. Uh, in, in this episode, we're going to be looking over here some pro sports. We're going to talk a good bit of NFL here towards the end of the episode with a little bit of sprinkling of some uh, NBA and uh, pro football at the beginning of it. Um, but I also feel like we cannot be remiss here in talking about what has been the biggest news of this past week, which is not sports-related. Um, with Russia invading Ukraine. That is what we'll start off with. Before we start off with that, Nick, how have you been for the past few days? man? You know what, man? I have been okay. It's been a great Friday so far. I finished. I got a 90 on my test today. So, you know, so far so good. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'm doing all right. How about yourself, man? Well, I've been doing all right, but this news with uh, Russia invading Ukraine has not been great. It has definitely not been something uh, – it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's not a good time, essentially. Um, I mean, we're literally living through, like, historical events. I mean, like, yeah. these, like, this will be in history books, and, like, you know, we're living through it. Absolutely. I mean, this is something that's going to be taught at some point. It's we are in absolutely crazy time and to kind of just jump right into it. Uh, it was uh, announced uh, like like you found out through Twitter, I believe it was late Wednesday night uh, that Russia had announced that they started military operations in Ukraine. Um, it was announced by like some Ukrainians were posting like explosions on Twitter that were occurring. Um, I mean, even as of today, I saw a Russian tank run over some civilian's car, which I believe is a war crime. Yep. Um, you have, you know, just drastic amounts of things. You, you see uh, highways in Ukraine that are just littered with cars that ran out of gas for people that are trying to get out of the country, um, including a man who went on the BBC uh, for traveling 80 kilometers to get to Poland. Um there's just it's so much it's a horrible time right now um and obviously we have nothing but you know just love and prayers on our mind here for ukraine is this is just horrendous what putin has decided to do oh yeah and you know you can you see it like all over the news i mean there are like i mean the people of ukraine are willing to you know obviously die for their country i mean you see Mm -hmm young men and like older generations starting to like flood into like the drafts and like put themselves in a position where they can fight for their country and serve. And it's, it's, it's just crazy. You know, I mean, you think about not even two weeks ago, like none of this was even a thought. Mm. And now we're getting all this stuff on the internet about the news and the updates and all the different turmoil that's going on within those countries. And, this is just stuff you can't predict and you know there's there's something that we could wish that we could do about it but you know for now we'll just have to see what happens yeah i think there are some things to highlight that are uh even for the good here from uh what has been happening recently uh i'm gonna try to point out the what has been happening uh just like there's there's some stuff not only in the sports world but then on top of that uh, there, there's things I think need to be cleared up. So the first thing that I do want to talk about is, uh, do people not know what political cartoons are, man? Like, <laughs> they, like that, that's the first thing I want to clear up. There's, uh, if people have somehow haven't seen this on Twitter, the official Ukrainian account posted a political cartoon of, um, what was, 
uh, you know, Adolf Hitler almost like looking down to a young Vladimir Putin. Um, and people in the comments were talking about the fact of like, oh, you shouldn't be posting memes right now. Like, bro, this is a political cartoon that's making a statement. Like, what are you talking about? It's not a meme. Uh, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, sometimes my generation fails me. So yeah, sometimes this Gen Z builds us. Like, like I, I realize like y'all middle schoolers and whatnot have grown up on memes, but like just look in your history textbooks for like two seconds and you'll see political cartoons strewn everywhere um that are like actually like good for spreading messages. And this was a solid political cartoon, honestly. I thought it was oh yeah. Yeah, like it, it's not often that you compare someone to uh you know. Hitler, but if you were to compare someone to him, Putin is probably the person that you'd compare right now. Um, not only because of what's going on, but because of his kind of ideologies about it and other, you know, uh, like travesties that he has been a part of. Has his time kind of ruling over Russia? I don't know. It's it's crazy. It was it was crazy the reaction to it, but I feel like you know it, it made sense. Oh, yeah. I mean, like when you look at it, I mean, you could definitely tell what the implication was. Yep. And, you know, that that's propaganda. And, you know, I mean, that's what you learn in like basic U.S. history. Yep. I mean, that's like that's what it's all about. It's getting the message out to like what what it is and what's going on. Yeah. Um, and I mean, what I will say is this. Uh, because, you know, I think it's great for us to talk about this as well, but we are not any political experts. If anything, we are quote oh, no. experts. So <laughs> I, I, you know, obviously I could say a lot on this and I could get passionate about this, but there are people that are smarter than I um, that will know more. And I believe that it's best to look at, you know, your CNNs and your NBCs and oh, yeah. your BBCs and whatnot on on this issue like i i know i i feel like i have a grasp with the situation but i don't want to like fully delve into it that way i mostly here i'm wanting to just you know sh- shout out our prayers to ukraine I'm trying to look at a little bit of the positives of it here for y'all just just so the listeners know as we're continuing this but oh yeah i mean like we got like the one and only kb and then an undergraduate student here i mean we're not we're definitely no, by no means experts but we're just trying to send out a positive message exactly um, and continuing with that positivity, something that got posted that was surprising to me, but also like like in a good way. Not that it was like a, a bad thing or anything, but it was um, a picture that came out like today of the mayor of Kiev, uh, Vitaly Klitschko. I think that's how you say his name. I, I believe like a former uh, like boxer or fighter or something like that, um, mm-hmm. who is standing with a gun, like willing to defend his city and i believe that's very admirable and a lot of people have talked about it obviously with his being a big face in the sports world for a while oh yeah and when you're an icon like that a lot of people are are like gonna stand behind you i mean like one thing we like learn in like a sports media class is how athletes influence grabs the attention of a lot of people and it certainly has Mm -hmm. And speaking of athletes, you have uh, other athletes that are on the Russian and Ukrainian and then I think even, you know, neutral sides who are wanting, uh, you know, not war but peace and uh, whatnot and are spreading that message. 
I'm trying to see. I thought I had it on my actual three through four count. I guess I did not, but I, I believe it's Roman Malnovisky who plays for Atalanta, who uh, wore a war shirt that's like no war, just peace. Or yeah, something yeah. Like that. Um, actually, I have it right here. It's, it's Ruslan Malnovisky. I feel bad that I messed up his name. I'm normally pretty good with uh, football names, but I guess I haven't quizzed myself a while on that. Should do it. <laughs> Ruslan uh, Malovisky had that. Um, there was a Russian tennis player who I believe after winning a set uh, wrote that down on a camera. Um, then you also have like, I, I, there's like players here in the U S that are talking about it um, that have relations uh, to. They had a uh, moment of silence. I think at the Kings game, right. For Alex yeah. Lynn. Uh, I, I believe so. Um, I, I know there's definitely something with hockey as well. I believe there's a Russian soccer player as well that spoke out about it. I think they played like Saudi Arabia recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of uh, positivity uh, in standing up against uh, the atrocities that are going on right now in Ukraine um, from a lot of uh, these young men and women in the sports world. So, um I, I don't know. Is there any other examples that you can think of? Uh, no, I've definitely people? seen a lot of like the same things that you're seeing. But so, if, I mean, like basically summarize, I mean, there's just a lot of people who are willing to have a voice and have something to say about the situation are willing to make change and make awareness about what is going on. So everybody can just have kind of have a general idea. And, you know, if anybody can help or is willing to help that they should do it. And, you know, this is, it's nice to see different parts of our world come together. You know, that's not something you see too often, but when it does happen, it's very nice. Yeah, uh, obviously, all, all of our thoughts and prayers are for everyone that's currently still in Ukraine. Um, there's much love and support for people in Poland who are looking to take in um, the Ukrainians right now. Uh, as their country is getting invaded and um, also a lot of love for everyone who's standing up against Russia and um, as something that I saw randomly on Twitter as well um, I hope that for any Russians who are involved in the military that are not are doing this against their own will I hope that they feel comfortable enough to be able to find sanctuary in other countries and not act against their own will because I believe that's also something that has been talked about over the past day or so it's something Mm. that might get talked about continuously this is tragic event and we are hoping that it gets resolved without any further disastrous implications not only for Ukraine but against other countries um, with, with that in mind, that's most of what I want to touch up with for Russia and Ukraine. Uh, mm-hmm. There's obviously going to be more and more about that. And again, go and look at your uh, political outlets for more information on it. Uh, I wanted here, as we were talking a little bit about it uh, with Malnovisky and others, to actually start talking about uh, football um, with really the last piece on the Russia-Ukraine um, conflict here of Currently, as we'll start with Champions League and Europa League, that the site for the Champions League final was originally going to be in St. Petersburg, Russia, and it has now been moved to Stade de France. Mm-hmm. Um, so already there's I, I know there's been a lot of like uh, sponsors and whatnot for football and other 
sports that were Russian that have been taken off. Uh, I know that was said, I believe, by Manchester United, amongst others. But, yeah, so now the, the Champions League final is going to be in France. Um, but speaking of the Champions League itself, the first round has been played over the past two weeks. So I do want to give a little bit of a recap for anyone that has not seen them. Uh, currently, Salzburg and FC Bayern are tied at a 1-1, which is a little bit surprising. Uh, Manchester City just absolutely took it to Sporting Lisbon and beat them 5 to nothing. Uh, Benfica and Ajax are tied at 2-2. Chelsea is on top of Los Colliers, 2 nothing. Atletico Madrid is tied with Manchester United 1-1, as well as Villarreal is tied with Juventus 1-1. Liverpool is ahead of Inter Milan 2-0, and Paris Saint-Germain is ahead of Real Madrid 1-0. Any surprising results in there? I don't know how much you keep up with the world of football. You know, I'm going to be completely honest with you. You're probably the more expert on that than me. I have a lot of soccer heads in my hall, but I'll Mm -hmm. definitely have to ask them about some of this. I'm not – I don't know too much – about it but i do know that manchester city usually dominates so Mm -hmm. so far so good for them what i'll say is this now i don't know where atletico madrid is in la liga table i'm actually going to look that up out of curiosity but definitely manchester united uh getting out of spain with a point atletico madrid surprisingly in fifth that's definitely off for what they normally are but uh, I, I digress. For Manchester United to pull any points away from Atletico Madrid and España uh, is uh, more than a surprise for Manchester United fans myself. Um, particularly Antti Alanga, a young Swedish winger, has been looking like a star for United over the past couple months and honestly could become a starter. I don't, I don't quite know on that end, but he might become a starter. Most likely he'll just kind of be a bench player. He's just been incredible for us. Uh, I would also say, from what I know, that Salzburg versus Bayern being 1-1 is a huge surprise as well. Now, I don't know if Bayern has many injuries right now, but um, I do know that they've struggled in some recent games against some, uh, you know, bottom, closer to bottom of the table Bundesliga sides, which is very surprising for them because uh, normally they do really, really well. And the one other game that I can really note on, but I don't know how much of a surprise it is, is maybe this is just a low-key good matchup. That being Villarreal versus Juventus, because Juventus has been struggling uh, in world football for the past like couple of seasons. And for them to be up there with Villarreal, who not only won Europa League last year against United, but on top of that, Villarreal is just, I think, a really well-run team right now under Unai Emery. Um, you know, I, I think it's a little bit surprising there. But otherwise, I don't think the results are too crazy uh, for some of the others. I mean... I expect like Ajax to probably pull through against Benfica. They're going to be at home, I believe, uh, for the next leg. I believe um, with how they set up this bracket that most of the sides that are on the home side right now are going to be away for the second leg. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how this turns out. Um, And we'll see, you know, how it continues to go as I believe it'll end like early March, at least the round of 16. So, that's going to be a lot of fun to move on to Europa League. Now, unfortunately, I want to tell you guys about the round of 32, but I couldn't really find the round of 32 um, like like posted naturally. And I didn't look on ESPN on my phone, uh, which I think is a little bit dumb of me. However, um, I do have the round of 16 matchups as the round of 32 is complete. So we'll go ahead and run through those real quick. You have Rangers who pulled off the, really the big upset of the round of 32, knocking off Dortmund and I think a six to four aggregate. Um, Rangers are going to be taking on Red Star Belgrade. 
Uh, you have SC Braga from Portugal coming up against AS Monaco. Um, you have FC Porto, uh, who's going to come up against Olympic Lyon in a pretty fun matchup to uh, pretty historic sides from Portugal and France, respectively. Uh, Atalanta is going to be taking on Bayer Leverkusen, which would be a very fun matchup. Uh, both sides have been pretty consistently good over the past few years in Italy and, Ger- and Germany, respectively. Uh, I think the by far best matchup with this round is going to be Sevilla versus West Ham. West Ham has been very good in the Prem over the past couple seasons, and Sevilla is the second best team in uh, Spain. And on top of that, I think Anthony Martial, all known for Manchester United, started off really well for them. Uh, Barcelona versus Galatasaray, uh, one of the best clubs in Turkey. It's going to be very interesting to see how that turns out. Barcelona's kind of been struggling over the past few years. Red Bull Leipzig will be coming up against Spartak Moscow, um, of course, a, a Russian team being Spartak Moscow. So it'll be interesting to see what's going to happen with that scenario. I, I don't know if the club will have anything happen, but you never know at this point. And then you have Real Betis of Spain coming up against Eintracht Frankfurt, a couple other teams that have been getting worse, but did well over the past few years in Germany and Spain. Uh, any of those matchups, do you, if you know the team names, that might intrigue you. <laughs> Oh, man. I don't know if you know team names. Because I feel yeah, that's like what I'm saying. Messy. You're Right now you're speaking Spanish to me, but uh, <laughs> I, know, I don't know if you said – you said Dortmund or something like that? Uh, Dortmund got knocked out in the round three. Uh, okay, okay. Then I, I'm going to be honest. There's definitely a lot of teams in there that I've heard of that are very well-rounded. But as of now, I don't, I don't watch soccer, but I probably should definitely get into it so I can add more on this the next time we do this. Oh, for sure. I, I didn't know if you had, like, like for example, some of these clubs are, like, uh, relatively known, so I didn't know if you're like, oh, yeah, I kind of recognize that club or something like that. Yeah, no, I, I really wish I could, like, actually, like, put in some input on this because, like, soccer is a very interesting mm-hmm. sport, and I've watched a lot of my friends played it. Um, I played in like U like U thirteen, but I got kicked out because I kept on slide tackling people. I wasn't really that good, but um, no, the, I mean those are all very really good teams. And whatever Premier League or whatever league you play, and you have to be very good, and your team has to be very well rounded. So I would definitely will tune into some of those games. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's not that big of a deal. I mean I've I've kind of been the soccer expert on the podcast over the past year, so. Um, it, it, it's not that surprising. I was just curious. Uh, only, only team that like I would have even expected would have been like maybe Barcelona, uh, but they've been meh recently. So, uh, without further ado, then we'll just move quickly into the Premier League, uh, as we do have 10 games remaining in the season. Um, and to discuss that real quick, Liverpool and Man City have absolutely separated themselves away from the rest of the pack, as Chelsea in third place are on 50 points, uh, but Liverpool's on 60. So, and unless Liverpool or Manchester City absolutely drastically fall off, it is going to be a race between uh, the two most recent uh, Premier League champions for uh, who's going to win it again. Uh, otherwise, you have Manchester United and Arsenal uh, rounding out spots four and five as Arsenal, though their two games back, are also a point back from United. So expect them to possibly be able to jump uh, these other, you know, my Manchester side. Uh, over the next two games and then otherwise West Ham and Wolves are up there Tottenham's at eighth Brighton is at ninth not in great form recently Southampton's in 10th um, and then I'm not going to run through the whole table but I will say that the uh, relegation zone has not changed actually take that back I believe it has changed I believe Burnley is now new to it 
and Newcastle's been pulling themselves out with pretty good form recently with two draws and three wins in the last five games uh, with really the teams that are in their worst form right now being uh, Leeds United and Brentford who have both lost four games and drawn one in their past five and Leicester City who have lost three and drawn two. Uh, you also have Tottenham in dreadful form losing four and winning one. Um, so a lot of teams that are in bad, you know, there's a few teams that are in bad form, but uh, it's looking like it's going to become a two-team race here at the top uh, for who's going to win the Prem. So we're in a very interesting time for the Prem, uh, of course, with uh, 10 games left. And all I can hope for is a Manchester United fan is that uh, we can hold on to that fourth place spot. But I don't know. Our team has been struggling all year and uh, there's just going to be hopes uh, for anyone that, I mean, honestly, I don't think anyone is going to be able to as, uh, you know, we're, we're recording this here on Friday, but uh, Southampton versus Warwick city is going to be on USA at three o'clock. If, you know, if you want to start getting some of your soccer in, there's a couple of uh, just uh, mid end uh, Premier League teams for you to look at, but otherwise we'll have to get started. <laughs> exactly. That, that, that's your start right there. And to go ahead and give you some other fixtures here that will be this weekend. Uh, there's a lot of fixtures that are still to be determined, which is crazy. I just saw that because I'm currently on the Premier League gap. Um, to give you guys some uh, Premier League games to look out for this weekend, it's something that I did uh, you know, back in November or whatnot. Um, you have Everton versus Manchester City at 1230 on Peacock. If you have that, um, if you have an account there, that should be a really good one. And not only that, look at two teams that are close to the relegation zone between Brentford and Newcastle at 10 o'clock on Saturday uh, morning. That's going to be a very fun matchup. And then, honestly, that's most of the fun matchups for Saturday. Sunday, there's only one game, which is West Ham versus uh, Wolverhampton. And then we have a Tuesday game here, March 1st, with uh, Burnley going up against Leicester. Two other teams that are not in great form, but Leicester's way farther away from the relegation zone than Burnley, who's actually inside of it. So some interesting games. There's some other games on this weekend, of course, if you want to pull them up. Like, for example, if you're a United fan like myself, uh, we, we will have a game on USA against Watford, who beat us 4-1 to one at Watford. We don't need to talk about that. Um, but, yeah, so some interesting uh, Premier League football coming up. Uh, I believe probably sometime this March I'll try to cover all of the big five leagues just to give everyone here who's listening a little bit of a grasp on what has happened in the leagues. Uh, but very interesting times, and I believe that's everything here for football, unless you have any uh, anything that you'd like to add, other than, of course, the fact that you need to start getting to it this weekend. Yeah, you're telling me, dude. I need to start studying up. Uh, I mean, from what I can say after listening to you talk, I mean, all, all in all, some very good games. It's a very good competition going on this weekend, and we will definitely recap on Monday, and I will definitely have some more information for you then. Yeah, easy, easiest thing for you to do it. You know what? This is how things got even easier for me as a kid to get into the NFL. Just do fantasy Premier League. Honestly. You know, <laughs> I, might, I probably will. I, I don't even know what the players' names are or what I'll be pronouncing, but I will try. Yeah, that will be my last thing here before we move on to, here to our sole NBA story. For anyone that wants to get into the Premier League, um, in particular, because I do think that is the best league in the world of football, though I might be a little bit biased. Um, I don't think so, though. Um, what I will say is, is doing fantasy Premier League is very, very good. I did fantasy football as a kid, um, and I still do it now. 
And not only was that how I got my favorite NFL team, uh, if you haven't heard that story before, but on top of that, uh, that's how I really, really, really got into the NFL. Like I liked it, but now I I watch it whenever I can. Um, But then I think that can be the same thing for the fans for Premier League as well. Then you can just kind of watch random Premier League games and hope that your player does something. So a little bit of recommendation here for y'all listeners as we move on into the sole NBA story which isn't going to take long. I think it's honestly just a good move is that the Knicks announced that they're going to sideline Kemba Walker for the rest of the season uh, with, I believe a quote coming out that they were saying that they want him to just rest up for next season and to get healthy. So he can kind of get back to how he's doing at the beginning of the year. All in all, this just sounds like a really good decision from the Knicks and from Kemba. Um, and hopefully Kemba can get better and look how he did at the start of this year. Cause at the start of this year, he was starting to look like old Kemba again, but, then he just really fell off and the Knicks are really not in a place where they're going to be a great team in the East. So letting him just kind of rest and kind of tanking a little bit is probably the best case scenario for New York. Oh yeah. And you know, I remember when they, you know, they first added him, you know, people were like, okay, Kemba returns back home, you know, where he like put up that like insane shot. You know, people Mm -hmm. used to call him like, I don't, I'm pretty sure you know it, but you know, people used to call like, yo, cardiac Kemba is like dead, deadly fourth quarter performances and you know he was an electrifying player but you know like as of recently he got there and he had you know like you said a few breakout performances but you know he hasn't really put up the same numbers and I totally agree with your take on like them resting him is probably the best decision because there's probably other players that could possibly add more because you know he's only averaging like 11 points I think you know nothing too impressive but you know Derek Rose is coming back from that two-month ankle surgery I think Mm -hmm. that's what it was but you know, they're definitely – they definitely – they have some depth. They have some. And I think resting him is probably their best decision and best move right now for a team that's trying to contend. Well, again, though, like at the beginning of this year, Kemba actually started out really well. Oh, like, yeah. He was yeah. electrifying. Yeah, like like Kemba was looking like a little bit like old Kemba. Not like full like cardiac Kemba, but like a, an, enough to where it's like, hey, this is the Kemba that we remember, kind of, sort of. But, yeah, so obviously there's something health-wise up with him, so hopefully he's going to be able to get healed up because it would be really nice for him to uh, be able to shine again. And we we got a little bit of a taste of it uh, early on this season. Hopefully we'll be able to get the full course eventually. Um, I guess I'll just say this really quick before we move on to the NFL, though, unless you have anything else to add. I'll just kind of run through the current teams that are in the playoff scenario in the East and the West because we don't cover the NBA all the time, and I want to keep things a little bit updated here. So I'll run through it real quick. Atlanta's at 10, Charlotte's at 9, Brooklyn is at 8, Toronto's at 7, Boston's at 6, Cleveland is at your current 5 seed, Milwaukee's your current 4, Philadelphia's your 3, Miami's your 2, and Chicago's your 1 seed. Um, That's all in the East. And in the West, you have the Portland Trailblazers, who've moved up to the 10 spot. Los Angeles is at nine. Uh, the Lakers are at nine. The Clippers are at eight. Uh, Minnesota Timberwolves at seven, um, who I believe they've been doing a little bit better recently. I think they were at like nine last time we talked about them. Uh, Denver Nuggets are at six. Dallas Mavericks are at five. Utah Jazz four. Memphis Grizzlies three. The Golden State Warriors two. And the Phoenix Suns at number one. I mean, that's pretty much expected. I mean, I as a Lakers fan, bro, I mm, – I, can I don't even think, don't even think Lakers get to first round this year, honestly. Oh, no. No, yeah. I, I, I can, we could do a whole episode on their failures. And, <laughs> God, I don't – okay, small thing, but I don't know if you saw it, but 
I think the Rockets, they were like literally all they offered them. They offered them John Wall just for like a swap or like a pig. For us? Yeah. The, no. they, 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 and like John Wall, mm, ugh, that's all. I, mm, I don't even know. But that they offered them probably the lowest like trade that they could find. And the Lakers were like, nah. Yeah, it feels bad. I mean, I know there was some uh, conversation recently of people like, oh, Russ is terrible. Why is Russ the top 75 player when it's like, well, Russ in the last two years hasn't been great, but Russ, when he was in OKC, was one of the best players um, in his generation. So, Oh, yeah, and he, ooh, he, he defined, like, what it meant to be, like, a slasher. Yeah. I mean, like, he, I mean, he was, like, just, like, ferocious dunks I mean he was trying to tear that rim off every time he went up for it and it was just like he and Kevin Durant James Harden Serge Ibaka Fabo Cephalosha I mean that team was great to watch I guess before we move on to NFL honestly just something that I just randomly thought of uh, who, who are our two favorite teams here to make it to the conference finals or like yeah maybe, maybe like around that area in the east and west right now like who, who, are, who are our favorites basically there uh, that, I, that's um, the question I want to ask. I, I'd have to, like, I think it's kind of like an underdog. I, I don't know if it's an underdog, but the Cleveland Cavaliers, ever since their addition of, like, their big, their mm-hmm. big like, you know, set of Jared Allen and uh, Yvonne Mobley, I mean, they've been awesome together. I, I kind of would put them up there. Um, Chicago Bulls, for sure. Uh, Bucks. I don't know where they rank, but I think a lot of some of the teams we saw last year in the playoffs, I feel like are going to get there this year as well. Um, mm-hmm. One thing I hope for is that the Celtics, I doubt they will, but I hope they can put it together because, you know, they've been having to have this championship aspirations for like years now and they've never been able to put it together. But, um, and in my opinion, Jason Tatum's kind of like plateaued. I feel like he, this is the best that we're going to see him, but um, those are just some of my favorites. Yeah, I'll say for the East, um, it's not going to be surprising that both the one seed in the East and the West right now, the Bulls and the Suns, are some of my favorites to uh, get towards the uh, NBA championship game uh, from their respective conferences. The only other teams I'd really mention right now uh, in the East and West, I'm, I'm going to agree with you on Cleveland just because I love their addition to Karis LeVert and I love their depth at the big spots there. Um Though, honestly, we could be sleeping on Milwaukee, not mentioning them because Milwaukee is still a very solid team. But oh, then yeah. in the West Western Conference, my other favorite, and honestly, if the NBA were to uh, – no, I, I don't think I'd have this team over – I was about to say that I'd have this team over the Suns. I don't think I would, but I would have this very close. I think Memphis and Phoenix should be the matchup in the Western Conference Finals. I want it desperately. Oh, I mean – Dude, John Morant, I, I don't know. He had a scary Imagine, man. Dude, like him and Jared Allen. Not Jared Allen. Jared Jackson Jr. <laughs> um, Brandon Clark. I don't know. If, I No, I think he's – yeah. I mean, I love Brandon Clark. I always thought he was, like, a really explosive player. But, I mean, like, the Grizzlies, are, they're, like they're, – they're so close. They're just, like, an inch away from getting there. And once they put all those pieces together and get that – like, that just – ready NBA finals roster they should be set dude I'm just I'm so excited like this team is so freaking talented man I I just want I want that Western Conference matchup because those are probably a couple of my favorite teams right now in the NBA like pop on at any time given time like Memphis and Phoenix they're so much fun to watch 
Um, and for any listeners that do remember this, when I said this at the beginning of the season with Dan, there's three teams that I decided that I was going to root for this year, and that was Washington, New Orleans, and Phoenix. So two teams that haven't been great and one team that has. Uh, it'll be very interesting right now. Obviously, Phoenix is making a strong case for there to be my team uh, because basically these three teams were meant to determine who my team is. But I don't know. Maybe Memphis will sneak in there. It's going to be very interesting. Um with that all out of the way, though, we'll go ahead here and move on to the NFL with some quick updates, and then we're going to talk about what our first round is currently of our mock drafts, as it has become mock draft season, um, and we'll talk more about that after these updates. But the first update is a little bit of an Aaron Rodgers update, which has a little bit of clashing right now. Um, if, if you listeners have not heard, um, currently it was rumored that Aaron Rodgers is going to become the highest played uh, – highest paid player in the NFL uh, to try to earn somewhere around like 50 million or so. Um, and then he just came on to the Pat McAfee show, I believe today and said that that's absolutely false. And then we've also heard this week that there are already multiple teams that have lined up offers for Aaron Rodgers, and they're just kind of waiting for green Bay to move him on. Now I believe that we've talked about on here that we think he's going to go. I expect him to go. Um, but what, what, what do you really make of, uh, some of this more recent news? So as a Packer fan, you know, I've been, I've been a fan ever since 2010, huge mm-hmm. Pack fan for life, but very disappointed in how their recent seasons have gone. But, you know, you see, I mean, that was in the number one headline when this season ended, where's Aaron Rodgers going to go? I mean, he's obviously a hall of fame quarterback, four-time MVP, but, you know, I don't. I follow. I don't know if you saw, but on Instagram, he had like this appreciation post to all yeah. this stuff. I mean, there's been so many things about. You know, could he be going to? You know, Denver's he retiring, return to the Packers. There's you know all these teams. I know we mentioned it before starting the the uh, the episode, but you know all these teams are you know sending offers to him. Um, my my thinking is that his. I think he wants to stay in Green Bay. I hope he does. That's my number one option or my second option or that he ends up in Denver with Devontae Adams. Yeah. Ultimately I believe the rumors that he wants to play with Devontae Adams, no matter what next season, I think that's completely true. I mean, he and Devontae have a very special connection and the last time he had a special connection with the receiver, they decided to let Jordy Nelson walk and go to Las Vegas, uh, which then ultimately, I mean, led to the rise of Devontae Adams, but still, would have been nice to have Jordy Nelson for a year or two more with Devontae, though he was regressing. Um, but no, I mean, part of the interesting thing, I mean, sure, it's because of the gratitude post, but so, so, some of the interesting stuff that I just started to think about was the fact that Rodgers could honestly retire this offseason if he wanted to. I mean, it's not like, like, obviously, he could go and win another Super Bowl and he could go and dominate with another team, kind of like what Brady did with the Buccaneers. Um, but ultimately, it's like if, if he doesn't feel like there's much more for him to do and he doesn't like, you know, want to disappoint the Green Bay fan base or he knows that he's not going to get out, he could just retire and he could possibly have a job lined up at Jeopardy or he could go and get like some sort of stats, like like an analyst job at like a Fox or an NFL, like a ESPN or something like that. Like Rogers would have jobs lined up for him at the Wazoo if he retired. So I still think that that's. That's a growing possibility in my head, personally. And I, you know, I agree with it because, you know, 
me and some of my friends talk about it, but you know, he could, he could honestly pack ship and ride off into the sunset if he wanted to. I mean, mm-hmm. he, I totally agree with, you know, what you, what you said. I mean, he four time MVP without a doubt, uh, a hall, hall of famer, one of the, like one of the best quarterbacks to play the game. And there's a lot for him out there. I mean, I think you mentioned it, but you know, like with, so many quarterbacks do you you know Troy Aikman Tony Romo all these guys he could literally just become a you know an analyst or a sports caller I mean he's a nice guy people love to like talk to him and he's he he has a lot of other opportunities besides football to do stuff like after the NFL life and you know that's that I mean he 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 has options to consider and retirement is definitely one become a podcast co-host with Pat McAfee (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah they, they, he's on there a lot you know that his former defensive stud that's very underrated AJ Hawks on AJ there Hawk, too yep. so I mean I say that as a joke but honestly he probably would go on there a lot more frequently if he did retire oh yeah because I mean he's been on there a crap ton yeah, he, recently. He, and Pat, he and Pat are boys so yeah I mean he honestly probably would um but yeah I mean really with this though is this is kind of a good segue particularly if he was retired I mean this would just ultimately raise the value in the possible trade possibilities for someone like Deshaun Watson who has also hit news recently as I believe it was pro football talk who uh, put out on Twitter saying something along the lines of that teams have already been starting to line up offers for Deshaun Watson and they're not currently worried about the lawsuit that is still in play um obviously that is something to worry about but I I believe and I think I've talked about this for a while that I don't think it's that surprising that teams are going to line up offers for Deshaun Watson because not only was he close, like definitely a top 10, possibly even top five quarterback when he did play, but he's still absolutely young and you're going to be able to get him for essentially what would feel like a cut price value anyways, because he's still kind of sort of a franchise quarterback because, gosh, what is he like? I'm going to look it up, but like he's he's 26. He's 26. He's even younger than I thought he was. I thought he was, I was going to say 28 or 29, but the dude easily would have like a decade of a career still on him. um, You know, given, uh, you know, even with the controversy and everything, like if, if the controversy, if his lawsuit is eventually get out of the way, any team that trades for him, because there's no way he stays in Houston is still going to have a decade of one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL over the past like five years of play. Oh yeah. And you know, I totally agree with you. I remember when he, came into Castle Coliseum and just, mm-hmm. he was just a dominant, it was a really good game. He was a dominant quarterback. I mean, he, he was, I don't, I don't know if he was, but he was talking about being a first, you know, first pick and he was, and he is just an insanely good quarterback. And how long has it been since we've seen him on the field? Like two uh, years? I think it's been like a year and a half. Okay. Yeah. So he's been out for so long, but you know, he's, uh, like he is such a good quarterback. I mean, he has it all in him, and you know, he. I think I have it up here. It says like nine of the twenty-two. That's a lot of cases, but none of them have been dropped, and a lot of teams are offering him. I mean, I yeah. totally agree with your point. I mean, if someone could snag him, I mean, I know that you know the uh, Miami has tried a lot. The Dolphins have definitely shot their shot at him. He, I mean, he is. I mean, yeah. I mean, if someone could grab him they could secure a somewhat franchise quarterback. Yeah, I was originally on the Miami train after Brian Flores got fired, and that's actually one thing we'll mention before the mock draft um, is he got a new job. 
But honestly, this is a team that I talked about last year for him as well. I pulled up um, – what is this website? Uh, it's, it's, it's Fan Nation, but, it's, it's, uh, you know, honestly, it makes this a little bit less surprising that's Washington Fan Nation that's posting this. But it says that according to the DraftKings Sportsbook, the Commanders and the Buccaneers are the two odds favorites to land Deshaun Watson with the Commanders currently at a plus 300 and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at a plus 350. And the Buccaneers were inserted a lot more in the conversation about a week ago um when Brady had uh retired but the commanders I think are still a team that you should really watch out for because not only is this like a relatively weak quarterback class though I do like some of the quarterbacks in it it's not saying that they're all bad or anything but it's it's more essentially for the fact that for Washington I talked about it last season for last season and it's something that's going to be reiterated for this one really their weakest position is the quarterback spot Heineke was meh whenever he played anyways. Ryan Fitzpatrick was just an old veteran, but then he got banged up game one. Uh, and they signed hit, uh, like Fitz, Fitz, Heineke, and Kyle Allen all to one-year contracts last year. So they were not committed to any of their quarterbacks. Um, so they knew that that was their worst position going into this year. And I believe that they probably still have some help that they need in the secondary and possibly on the defensive side of the ball. But the commanders would make a lot of sense for this, particularly because they just rebranded and getting someone like this would be huge for them. They have a new stadium they believe is going to be built in 2026. And on top of all of that, Deshaun Watson, as I've mentioned, is probably a top five quarterback uh, when he comes back to the NFL, maybe a top 10. And having someone like him who's an excellent thrower of the ball as well as is mobile would just be perfect for Ron Rivera. It's basically a better version of what he had in Cam Newton. Oh, yeah. And, you know, when you have, like, someone like Ron Rivera who has had Cam Newton under his belt and knows how to, like, develop that kind of quarterback really helps. Mm-hmm. And, you know, although they're, it was a little overrated, but their defense is still top tier. I mean, they, they have – a very they have a talented some talented receivers you know they have Terry McLaurin and also all the other guys on their depth chart but, oh yeah and like they just have the potential to be very very good mm-hmm. and you know like you said their quarterback position has been very poor I remember when they chose Haskins and he didn't pan out whatsoever yeah. but they are definitely looking for that real deal quarterback, not just that kind of, all right, we signed him because we need him for this season, and then we'll try to go on and find somebody else, and then the pattern continues. They definitely need someone who's wanting to stay and willing to play, and that's someone that I think Deshaun Washington can fill that role. Absolutely. And before we move into the mock drafts, one more uh, quick little thing here in the NFL uh, that I think we can highlight here is the fact that Brian Flores actually did get a job. Um, as he's still currently, you know, in the midst of suing the NFL and whatnot, he actually got a job with the Pittsburgh Steelers on their defensive staff. He's not their defensive coordinator, but I think he's like their linebackers coach or something. I think what he used to be in New England. So ultimately, I just wanted to highlight that because not only is Brian Flores an excellent coach, and I hope one day he's a head coach again because he was good at what he did. But on top of that, the uh, big props to the Steelers for being willing to sign him down because with all the controversy that is currently going on in the NFL, I thought it was highly unlikely that he was going to get a job for a while, but he got signed down to Pittsburgh and he's now going to be doing at least some sort of coaching again. So big props to them and very happy that he's able to, you know, get right back into it here for the 2022, 2023 season. Oh yeah. And he is, and I really like Brian Flores. I thought he 
I mean, obviously a lot of controversy when he came out and made those statements. But, mm-hmm. you know, when he he had like I think he had like the highest win percentage in his seasons with the Dolphins. And like people were like already calling Tua out. They said that he was gone within like half the season. And then he goes on that seven, eight game win streak. I mean, he really I mean, Tua, I think, is really good. And Brian, seriously, you could see his development and his leadership there. And it's also it's nice to see a step up by uh, Mike Tomlin. You know, he's always been that guy. He's been a yep. really, really good head coach, never a losing season. I mean, he is a great, great, great coach. And him adding Brian Flores to the roster is just a nice thing to see. Yeah, no, it's definitely really good. And obviously, I, I think your points on Tua is also uh, solid as well. Hopefully someone that people have been, you know, talking down about him a little bit uh, with the Mike McDaniel coming in, but Tua's going to get a chance next year. And I think Tua could possibly be good. I mean, as you said, he did really rebound and do a lot better towards the uh, end of the season, uh, at least for the most part. So obviously much uh, hope that Tua's going to be able to do well, but with that all being said, to set up here for our mock draft before we get into it, uh, ladies and gentlemen, so you know, this is going to be our first mock draft. Uh, I believe that Nick and I will probably do some more. It's going to depend on the episode. We might honestly make these their own individual episodes, to be honest, because they might take a while, particularly if we expand into other rounds, but most likely not that. We'll probably just stick in the first 32. But for this specific mock draft, to lay this out on the table, and Nick already knows this, but we are not going to be doing any trades because the free agency uh, period has not opened up yet. And I believe once free agents start to go, then you might have a little bit more of a sense on what teams might want to trade up or trade down. But ultimately we cannot call that right now because um, you know, obviously there's quarterbacks to move wide receivers to move uh, you know, just so many incredible players this free agency to move that if we were to predict something like a trade, we would just be absolutely spewing uh, you know, just nothing. We, we, we'd be, we'd be throwing darts that, you know, blindfolded and hoping that it would stick onto the target essentially. Oh, and you know, yeah. I mean, I remember when you mentioned that, uh, before we started recording, I mean, I totally agree with that. I mean, like you can't call this stuff. I mean, like we said, I mean, the draft is like you know, two months away. There's no way we could, you know, put in trades because there's just so many unpredictable stuff that could happen. Mm-hmm. And we won't try to take too crazy long on some of these, particularly if we have the same picks, but particularly if some things are different, we'll try to talk about it a little bit uh, because we don't want to, you know, take up three or five minutes for every single first round pick because then that's going to turn this into like a three hour episode. And no, (laughs) we'll we'll, we'll talk about some of the guys that we leave off here on the first round as well. But without further ado, are you ready to get into it here with our first picks? Yeah, I'm ready. I think we'll try to go here with about five at a time, uh, but we'll, we'll go back and forth. So basically we'll go through five picks and we'll talk about any of our picks if we want to. Uh, and I'll, I'll leave us a time for that. But without further ado, I'll start off with my first pick uh, with no reactions yet. And I went with Evan Neal going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I'll be honest with you, we match up. I had him that, that too. Um, originally I had, Kevin but like we talked about before he kind of dropped recently but mm-hmm. you know Jacksonville seriously needs a rebound after their you know treacherous season with Urban Meyer so I think he'll definitely add some depth and Trevor Lawrence needs some protection as well so I think that helps Aiden Hutchinson is my next pick to the Detroit Lions 
I have Kyle Hamilton, but Aiden Hutchinson is my third pick. Okay, well then, I mean, that, that, that spoils your third, but my third is Kayvon Thibodeau to the Houston Texans. Uh, I have, okay, so, yeah, I have, yeah, Kyle Hamilton second, Aiden Hutchinson third. Um, I have him to, I, I have him to the Texans. I, fourth for the Jets, I have Ikem Ikem Ikwonu. Yeah, I like yeah, that. Yeah, okay, yeah. Equonu is definitely a solid take. I have Kyle Hamilton to the Jets and wrap up our first five. I have a Kemakonu going to the New York Giants. I got Charles Cross. All right. So a quick look at those. I do think the Kyle Hamilton picks very interesting too, and I'll have you delve into that. But what I will say is this of these first five picks, I've had four locked at Kyle Hamilton for the past three months, I think. And I'm going to have that as like a locked pick all the way up until the draft. And the reason specifically is this, uh, the league has become a lot more, um, you know, focused on the edge and left tackle and quarterback. Those are really the big three positions. And maybe, maybe uh, Salo and, and co would debate getting Thibodeau if he dropped to four, but I think Hutchinson being a Michigan boy to Detroit makes a lot of sense for his landing there. And Thibodeau has been, teed up as one of the best guys in this draft for the past four years so I don't think he's going to slip that far so ultimately I think Kyle Hamilton is a perfect fit into Salah's defense and he's probably my favorite defensive player of this draft class even over Aiden Hutchinson it's just with his being a safety it's a lot more of like a is this going to be a little bit less impact of a position um, just because they aren't going to be going right after the quarterback or they aren't going to be covering the number one receiver yeah and you know, when you put it like that, I actually really agree with that position. I just have him at second to Detroit because he just – he ultimately has the size and tools to oh, sure. be this high on the first five. Yeah. I mean, of course. I mean, there's no doubting that. And in my opinion, the Lions' defense really need a playmaker. And, you know, you're, you had Aiden Hutchinson going to Detroit, which I, like, I definitely agree with that. I probably if I had better hindsight I would have put Aiden to Detroit but they really need a defensive playmaker they they need that desperately and they need someone to pick up and I feel like Kyle Hamilton could just perfectly fit in Dan Campbell's off defense oh I'm right there with you on that and I think the last point I can make here in these top five before we move on to the next five unless you have a comment on it as well is there's been more and more coming out recently for the Jaguars um, that Cam Robinson may not get re-signed and I kind of see that happening they franchise tagged him last offseason he's a young left tackle he's probably going to go out to the market and look to get a decent contract which won't be close too close to what he got franchise wise but Robinson's still young enough. I think that he'll get a decent enough contract from a team that needs a left tackle, maybe even the Indianapolis Colts. Um, So I think with Robinson gone, getting Evan Neal is going to be uh, quintessential for a team that's going to need to protect Trevor Lawrence because he is there. You know, he's going to be the piece that they need to build upon for the next few years, at least bare minimum, but he'll, he'll probably continue to get better and better. Oh yeah. And I, I think that's a, a really good look at it because, I mean, I didn't even think about that Cam Robinson, you know, that's actually a different perspective on it, which, I, you know, that's definitely new to me. But um, I think that he – I think that he'll resign, in my opinion, maybe. And when they get Evan Neal and Cam Robinson on that front line, 
I feel like it would definitely help Trevor Lawrence, like, well, A, protect himself, and B, have time to, like, become a better quarterback. Because, you know, people right after that rookie season, you know, people just started totally just, you know, coming down on him because, you know, yeah. best quarterback, X, Y, Z. But also, he, when you look at his team, he has absolutely – he doesn't really have a lot of help. And then when you have Urban Meyer and what he did as a coach, it doesn't help either. So I feel like him – re-signing Cam Robinson and getting Evan Neal will seriously help him. I mean, yeah, for sure. That could certainly happen, and giving him more protection could make sense. Um, without further ado here, we'll kick into the next five picks. Uh, I'll start off with here my pick for the Panthers. And you had Charles Cross, I believe, going to New York. I had Charles Cross going to the Panthers at six. I had Drake London. Ooh. Ooh, we'll have to get into that one. Um, but moving on, though, seven, uh, New York having their second and last pick here of the first round. And I have George Kalafidis going to the Giants. I got Kevin Thibodeau. All right. So he slipped far down your board, but there he goes. A really good take there. Um, obviously, I think that'd be best pick for draft if that happened. I have Drake London going, but I have him going to the Falcons, a different team in the South here. I got Derek Stingley Jr. Okay, I can see that. You have a, I have a Mod Gardner as my first cornerback off the board to the Denver Broncos. I got Trayvon Walker. And then my last – oh, that, that's, that's someone we'll have to talk about. But then the last person that I have right now is going to be Devin Lloyd uh, to the New York Jets. I got Garrett Wilson. All right, so to go ahead and break that down real quick, I think really the biggest one that we have to talk about of these, uh, I mean, you can talk about Thibodeau if you want, since, of course, he dropped very far for you. But the one that surprised me was you're having Drake London going to the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, so Sam Darnold, how I see it, Sam Darnold has been a scrutinized quarterback. And obviously in his first three games, people are like, oh, my God, he rebounded. And then for the rest of the season, they're like, oh, he sucks. But – I really still think he has that USC gene in him. I think that he can still perform. And I think that if they get some weapons around him, and they already do, I mean, their defense has were like really showed up. I mean, Brian Burns has became has become a really good star. But yeah. I think their offense needs a lot more firepower. I mean, Christian McCaffrey, I mean – People still put him, like, up there in the best running backs. Right? He's been injury-prone so bad. That's and true. their receiving core has been very good. And if they get Drake London, he will – I mean, 6'5", 210. I mean, he is I, that is a very, very large target. I mean, that's like Megatron height. But in my opinion, they should take a, a receiver to help Sam Darnold in 2022, and he's a beast. I mean, I don't know if you've seen highlights. Oh, I'm sure you have. Sure. But, I mean, he – that's how I see it. I mean, I feel like Sam Darnold, his targets, their defense is kind of growing, and their offense is a little bit out of standstill. But I feel like getting Drake London, who's an absolute firepower on offense, will certainly help them. I mean, you want to talk about that USC gene. You really need to talk about that with their receivers recently, the likes of Michael Pittman, Juju Smith. Um I hate that I'm forgetting his name, but the uh, Monterey St. Brown, there you go. With oh, Troy, yeah. And now Drake London. Like, USC has been producing some incredible receivers over the past few years. But part of my issue, part, part of my uh, question with this mostly was first of all, Carolina has three pretty decent receivers in the first place with DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and Terrace Marshall. And I think Terrace Marshall could be really good in the NFL. Um, but really, my biggest thing as well is the fact that I just, I, I have the complete opposite take. 
I don't think Sam Darnold's that good. I can almost guarantee that they're going <laughs> to play this year, whether it's going to be with a veteran or whether it's like, like just a free agent signing or whether it's going to be a trade, I don't care. They're going to replace him. And personally, that's where I, I believe they might have a tackle going into free agency as well. I think it might be Taylor Moton. Um, I could be wrong with that, but I, they've had a struggle on the offensive line for a while now. And I think getting someone as dominant as Charles Cross would be, uh, you know, just uh, an impeccable pick. And I think that, it would just really help to stabilize that line a lot for whoever is going to be throwing behind it. Cause it's not going to be darn. Yeah. And you know, I really like that take, you know, I'm going to be honest. I mean, I can see the doubt in Sam Darnold and I've always been someone of a Sam Darnold believer. So that's maybe why I take this pick, but mm-hmm. you know, that is definitely another outcome that could definitely happen. I mean, they could just totally let Sam Darnold go and get a tackle that helps out their line because they already have a star so the wide receiver core and whoever's back there next season will definitely be able to have weapons and a good solid line to protect him. But, you know, that's, a, that's an interesting will be looking at it. And, I, but, you know, I just take Drake London. I, I mean, I can see it. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's an interesting look at it. And I think here, otherwise, I think the one question that I can ask unless and then if you have any questions for me, you can ask them, uh, but I'll definitely talk about two of mine. Uh, honestly, it might be the two that you'd ask about. Uh, but the one I want to ask was the last pick, which was Garrett Wilson going to the New York Jets. So I think Garrett Wilson, uh, Ohio State, Ohio State, yeah. So he's, he's a springy, you know. He's really – he's athletic. He's fast. He's quick. Sure. And – I feel like pairing him with Elijah Moore really helps I me. Mean, Elijah Moore being a second-year wide receiver and the New York Jets being in, I, I'd say, a, I'd say a rebuild, yeah. And, Absolutely. you know, Zach Wilson being that kind of same kind of like player. You know, he's fast, he's quick, he's a good quarterback, he has a good arm. I feel like he definitely did not perform awesome this past year. But I feel like updating – their wide receiver core and getting good weapons. I mean, that's a, it's a kind of the same ideology with Drake London. I feel like him going at that at that pick will like help their offense because you know in this day of age of football, I mean, everybody's looking to have like that quick, you know, just like that quick pass, you For know, sure. long ball offense dominates in this game. And I feel like Garrett Wilson will certainly help them out. I mean, they do have that though, essentially with Elijah Moore, right? Oh yeah, and but why not? Why have one when you can have two? When you have two, I feel you. I feel you. Yeah, I I don't think it's that bad of a take as well. I mean, if if I wanted to go offense with uh, New York, I probably would have went with him as well. Um, before I talk about possibly two of my picks, do you have questions about my picks? Um, you know, to be like one thing I like about when you talk about your picks is you also give me a little bit of insight. So I don't want to ask questions just yet. All right, so then I'll go ahead and give you uh, the two picks that I wanted to talk about, which were my last two picks of this, uh, these five, which is Gardner and Devin Lloyd. Uh, I wanted to pick Gardner here for the Denver Broncos because, though sure, it's two cornerbacks uh, in back-to-back first rounds as the draft and also top ten. Honestly, actually, ironically, they may have been seven last year, nine last year, but I digress. Um, to me – I, I've debated between Gardner and Stingley for a little bit now on who I want as my number one. And the reason that I have Gardner going here is not only because he was so incredible um, during his time in college. I mean, 
Uh, Field Yates kind of sold me when he talked about this season. He didn't allow over, I think, 13 yards to a receiver against him. And I believe he didn't give up a single touchdown while he was in college. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to go back and look at that Field Yates tweet. It was an incredible stats uh, on. Oh, on, I, that, I think it's that's for real. Yeah. It, it was some sort of crazy thing that how locked down he is. But yeah, he's never allowed that, a touchdown. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But like, um, the, 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 the thing that was really the most important for me is that they still have like Bryce Callahan and Patrick Sertan, a good slot corner and a good perimeter, definitely the number one guy in Sertan, but they're going to most likely get rid of Darby and Fuller who are both on one year contracts as veterans. And they're both kind of eh last year. So I think getting someone like Gardner would just make not only their secondary with uh, what is it? Hamilton in the secondary, uh, no, Justin Simmons and then uh, cream Jackson, uh, not only would they have, I think, one of the best secondaries in the NFL, adding a Matsos Gardner, but I think it's just two lockdown corners on one team and two young lockdown corners. And having something like that is just special, particularly in a division where you're up going up against Derek Carr, uh, Justin Herbert, and Patrick Mahomes six times out of the year. It's just going to be a very beneficial for a team that's going to be trying to compete in this division uh, for you know a while now. I mean, yeah, I really like that. And, you know, I definitely, like, like, you know, I've said this, like, a couple times, but, you know, like, when you give me that insight, then that, like, that kind of, like, makes me think a little bit because, you know, like, I mean, obviously these picks are for sure going to change. But, I mean, that's a definitely like, a good addition. And like you just mentioned, I mean, when you're facing – like a quarterback that's at a level of Patrick Mahomes and you're playing him a lot and you're going to go off against him a lot, having someone that could maybe like kind of lock that down a little bit and break up some of those passes definitely helps. Yeah. And then on the other end here with Devin Lloyd for me, um, I just think that they're going to highly invest in Salah's defense this off season. And it's really going to be here in the draft. Um, now here's the thing. When uh, he was in San Francisco, one of his biggest players um, was Fred Warner, a really good just like leader in that defense and was able to get tackles and interceptions and whatnot. He was kind of a do-it-all type of guy. And that's exactly what Devin Lloyd was. Uh, he, I believe, got like four interceptions last year. He got some interceptions that returned for touchdowns. Uh, he sacked the quarterback a good bit. He got a lot of tackles. He was a do-it-all guy for Utah. And not only is he my by far favorite linebacker in this draft class, I, I like N'Kobe Dean, but Devin Lloyd is just incredible. But I think it's just a perfect addition for a team that does need that leader and in particular can kind of just do a little bit of everything for New York. And that's where I think, you know, getting a special talent like Devin Lloyd and Kyle Hamilton into your team, uh, particularly if you do trade Marcus May and then you run up uh, – what is it? Ashton Davis is their other safety, I believe. I could be wrong on that, but it's it's that young young man out of California they drafted last year. Um, I, I think if you do that, and then you trade Marcus May, and then maybe you get one other defensive piece in this draft, like this New York Jets defense could become something pretty solid next year. Man, I you yeah, Devin. I mean, he's a missile. I mean, he comes right off that edge. I mean, he's and he's really 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 good and I think that having him on any on any defense will certainly oh, yeah. help I mean he, he's an instant impact and so I think when you insert him in that kind of lineup and put him in that kind of role I think he'll flourish 
I think he'd probably be one of my top five prospects right now alongside the likes of like um, – who else would be up there for me? Like Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, Kyle Hamilton, and then Evan Neal. Like he'd probably be five or he'd be just outside. I love Devin Lloyd as a talent. He's incredible. So with, with, with that in mind, unless you want to ask me anything, we'll kick off here into 11 through 15. No, I don't have any questions for you. I mean, you give me good insight and give good depth on why, so that's good. All right, so we'll definitely talk about this uh, this pick in particular because it's going to be big, but my first quarterback off the board goes to the Commanders, and it's going to be Matt Coral. Oh, uh, I'd say, I, I say Malik Willis. Oh, well, we at least both have quarterback going off the board there. Uh, I have Derek Stingley then going to the Minnesota Vikings at 12. Yeah, I, had, I think I had him at 70 at the foul because I got Ahmed Garner. Yep. Um, I have Garrett Wilson, uh, Ohio State boy, uh, staying relatively local, going to the Browns. I got Traylon Burks. Uh, I got Tyler Lindebaum going to the Baltimore Ravens. Oh, that's interesting. I have, I have Tyler Lindebaum at 15, but I have Trent McDuffie at 14. Linderbaum with 15, so that means he's going to the Eagles. I have the Eagles taking Andrew Booth at 15. Okay. But you have Linderbaum to the Eagles? Yeah. Talk about that then. That's very interesting to me, particularly with okay. Jason. Okay. What, what, what one did you also want me to talk about? Uh, well, Linderbaum, because I was mentioning okay. that Jason Kelsey was coming back to the Eagles. That was, like, confirmed, I believe. Okay, so – Although that's confirmed, so it's really simple. I mean, I'm just choosing it based off how I see it, and how I see it is he needs to he needs to be a replacement because yes, the Eagles line is very good. However, they're aging and they're old. That's a that's my thing of it is that give or take in like three or four years, half those guys aren't going to be there, and drafting Tyler Lindenbaum to keep up that good offensive line and have him in there to keep the team going and being able to have a strong front line for whatever quarterback they have, maybe Jalen Hurts, we don't know. But I feel like having him to replace one of them certainly helps because when one of them goes, they can insert him and he's an instant impact. I can appreciate that, but I think that's where I'd really be more looking at like a Thayer Munford or Donovan West possibly going to the Eagles, like somewhere in like the like four, like fourth round or something. Just yeah. because I don't, because uh, I think Kelsey's probably still got a couple more years on him. Um, if anything, I, I was highly debating um, drafting uh, offensive line and a little bit of spoiler, I do for the Eagles, but I was really more looking at like, uh, I, I debated tackle, but then I didn't want to go with the tackles when they were there uh, for some reason, just because Lane Johnson, I don't think has much longer on him. I think he's, he might retire, no. honestly. So, but no, I, I can see it. And I do like Linderbaum a lot for that. Um, I'm trying to think. I'll, I, I, I get trailing Burks. I like it. Um, it's kind of like, I, I slightly debated that particularly because I think they should have a size difference. But that's also why I went Garrett Wilson, because I think he's the clear-cut number two of this draft. And since you had number one and two gone, uh, I can get Traylon Burks going at 13. Okay. No, I, no, and I agree with that. Well, I'm just grabbing some food real quick, bro. I need to eat. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but, um, no, and like I said, I mean, I doubt 
all of these are going to stay. Some of them, some of mine will probably stay. But, you know, like like some of the picks I've said, you know, like Trent McDuffie at 14, that'll probably change. Linderbaum might change. But, like, some of my ideology was just based on, like, some of the facts of, like, what I noticed them from last season. I mean, like you said, I mean, like Lane Johnson, he'll probably be gone really soon. But, I mean, Jason Kelsey, I mean, he's a tank. I mean, he'll probably be there for a little bit longer. But having someone to replace him will just be better. But also, on the flip side, some of your picks could also help out the other areas of the team that need help. For sure. Um, I, I do like Ahmad Garner at 12 for you as well. The only reason, obviously, Ahmad Garner didn't go for me is because he went earlier. Uh, I liked Ahmad Gardner more to Minnesota, particularly because they've drafted a few first-round corners over the past, like, five years, and they've all kind of busted. And that could be a scary thing for Derek Stingley since he hasn't played football in a year or so. Like, maybe he busts going here. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, I, I still want Stingley because he was a great talent, and he's someone that when he was playing his freshman year was like, oh, he's going to be a top-five pick uh, when he comes out, and then COVID and everything hit. Um, I think the biggest thing, unless you have questions about my last two picks, is we really need to talk about our quarterbacks uh, between Coral and Willis. And I'll have you go into Willis, but the specific thing I want to say with Coral is that he's been my favorite quarterback coming out of this class um, for the past few months. And I do like other quarterbacks. This isn't saying that I don't like other quarterbacks. Um, I like uh, Kenny Pickett and I do kind of like Willis as well. Um, But I just personally think that the mobile capability of Coral as well as his like incredible arm, particularly what we saw not this past season, but the season even prior when Elijah Moore was still there, it's just different. And I think that if you have Coral there, um, Curtis Samuels, basically your Elijah Moore comp, Terry McLaurin is an incredible receiver to pair with him. And I think that Coral could genuinely run this offense and do really well. The only concern would be a little bit of his injury history, but if I'm Washington, I would be more than willing to take that risk for someone that has been pretty solid throughout his time in the SEC. Yeah. Um, I'm not doubting Matt Curl. I mean, I'm not going to lie. He's a little bit low on my list, but that's what you cause, like you mentioned, the injuries. But by no means will Malik Willis, what I take, will start in week one. But I feel like his potential is, like, too much to pass up on. I feel like he has a very high upside. You know, like we just talked about with Deshaun Watson and then the commanders possibly needing – a quarterback and I feel like he fits that young energetic bright quarterback spot I mean I can see that with Willis but I think there's a lot of mistakes with him that it's gonna be weird to see if that will change or not my mm. one point I will say is this for Washington Commanders fans no matter what you're getting a quarterback whether you like it or not either in the draft or via trade you're doing something mm. that's gonna involve your first round pick Suck it up. Because <laughs> I've, oh, yeah. I've had commanders fans that are like, oh, I don't want to use my first round pick on a quarterback. It's happening. You need it. So just think of the scenario that you want, essentially. Since we aren't trading for a quarterback, this is the best case scenario. And you guys might not trade for a quarterback. Maybe you go for someone for the future here. And that's why I went with Coral. Um, I, I will say with another quarterback take, I was a little bit biased and uh, it, it, it kind of had a trade in mind that I had going later, but I also just had it basically because you know these two teams would switch. But without further ado, unless you have any questions on a couple of my picks, we'll move on here into the next. I don't have anything crazy to say about some of these. Mm-hmm. No, I'm good. 
basically the only things I'll say real quick to wrap it up is Bozeman might leave Baltimore. It's rumored that Cincinnati might be interested in him. So Linderbaum will be his replacement. And then Andrew Booth is the future number one corner for this team. Uh, and he'll learn under Darius Slay being the number two corner. So with those things in mind, we'll go ahead and move on for two 16 through 20. I have Nicobe Dean for the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay. 16, I have Jermaine Johnson. I have Trent McDuffie at 17 to the Los Angeles, Los Angeles Chargers. I thought I had that wrong for a second. Oh, no, you're good. I got Trevor Penning. Uh, ooh, I love that, actually. Um, at 18, I have Sam Howell to the New Orleans Saints. So, I think I have him going a bit early. I don't know if I should. I, I have Kenny Pickett. At 19, I have Kenny and Green to the Philadelphia Eagles. I got Devin Boyd. Or Devin Lloyd, Devin Lloyd. And then at 20, I have Kenny Pickett to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I got your boy, Matt Coral. Yeah. Uh, th- this is where I'll just go ahead and say real quick that at 20 for Kenny Pickett, I just think he's going to end up in Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh's going to trade up to get him. Um, I think that they're just in love with him, not only because he's relatively local, but on top of that, I think he just kind of fits that Tomlin offense perfectly. Um, so. That's kind of why I went pick it there. Plus, I didn't feel too guilty because it was like uh, New Orleans are just picking a couple picks ahead of them. It's not that bad for them to just go with someone slightly different. That's why I went with Hal. I could also see there's, you know, I have one other quarterback going in this first round. I could see Malik Willis going here as well as a unique take. But uh, otherwise, you and I both have linebacker for the Eagles. You and I both have a guard for the Eagles. Um, the only difference is that you have an edge, and I am very surprised by Jermaine Johnson going this high. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to – so backtracking a little bit, but I totally agree on – see, that, that's what I was saying. I kind of messed up. I feel like I definitely should have switched those two regardless of whether you – I think you had Malik Willis at 18, right? No, I had Sam Howell. Okay, all right, Sam Howell. Okay, so – See, like, I agree with Kenny Pickett going to the Steelers. That's just, that's what I was saying. I kind of like – some of these I kind of like botched for sure. Mm-hmm. But um, I feel like the Saints kind of need, like, a quarterback. I mean, who knows about Jameis Winston? I mean, he's just, like, so on and off. I mean, the Jameis Winston experience is so odd. But I feel like Pittsburgh will definitely choose Kenny Pickett. I mean, him going to – like, him playing at Pitt and then mm-hmm. showing so much interest in him, that's definitely – like a, that's like a, in my opinion, it's like a ninety percent pick. But um, I do. I just have Kenny Pickett going at eighteen. That was just a botch one. But I have Jermaine Johnson starting at the edge because I mean, pure size, six five two sixty, big boy. But he he's he's powerful and he's I mean he loaded stat sheet at Florida State. I didn't. I forget how how they did this season. But he did very, very good. I mean, he is a powerhouse. And in my opinion, the Eagles need they, – they have a need on the edge. I feel like they need someone to they, – that they can just slam in that lineup and be good. I mean, I can see it. I don't hate it. I'm just very surprised. I think Jermaine Johnson, for me, is more of a second-rounder personally, particularly with some of the other edges in this draft. I think this is where, though I love Kenyon Green to Philadelphia, I think this is the one pick I would change right now, at least from the ones that we've done. I'd maybe change Sam Howell as well, but I would probably rather have Trayvon Walker going earlier because he's really rising up draft boards, and I do think he's a good talent. 
Um, I liked your taking him in the top 10. A lot of people have been starting to put him there, but I don't know if I'm comfortable with him in the top 10. That's why I'd probably have him with the Eagles at 19. But I also don't hate Kenyon Green because I do think that they need some more line in the future. And then, I, of course, I loved your Trevor Penning pick because Chargers do need more and more line. Mm. And also, I mean, dude, I just I just looked him up six foot seven. Yeah. <laughs> like 321. That's like an Andrew Villanueva type kind of guy. And he's yep. huge. Well, without any further ado, then I guess let's kick off in our next five. Not many questions there. I have Chris Olave to the New England Patriots. Okay, I had uh, I had to, I just had I didn't really have any really idea. I put Boy Mace or Boye, Minnesota. Boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how to say some some of their names. Someone from Minnesota. I. I did not know who you're referring to, right? Oh, boy, uh, boy, okay, boy, May, uh, in edge rusher around Minnesota. Okay, okay, okay. Um, now I'm with you. All right, I have Jamison Williams to the uh, Vegas Raiders. I have Andrew Booth. Okay, I can see that. I have Zion Johnson to the Arizona Cardinals. Chris Olaf for me. Okay, uh, I have Trayvon Walker to the Dallas Cowboys. Kenyon Green. And then I have David Ajabo to the uh, Buffalo Bills. I got Jamison Williams. All right. Well, definitely some interesting ones. Uh, I don't know. I mean, what do you, what do you what have you heard about with uh, Boy Moth then, uh, Adam? So, in my opinion, he is a ultra athlete. I I mean, I said I had to slap somebody in there for New England. I couldn't really think of much. But I just, like, watched some stuff on him, and I think he did, he did really good in Minnesota. And he's got a nice – he's got a really good set of pass of patchwork moves. I don't know if you've seen, but just watching him, some of the stuff in Minnesota, just some of the highlights I've seen, I mean, he could blow by anybody. And, like I said, he's a really good athlete, and I feel like after this combine that he's about to have, I feel like he'll definitely impress at some of the scouts that people are looking at. All right, for sure. I mean, he's rising up draft boards. I actually haven't heard too, too much on him. So, I mean, there you go. That's someone that could possibly go up there. Um, I do also love your pick of Booth to Vegas, particularly if he goes down there. That makes sense to me. Um, what about Chris Olave to the Cardinals? Okay, so I feel like he has a really high ceiling. And DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, and Chris Olave for Kyler Murray. Just think about that trio. Yeah, I mean, that could work. But definitely Kyler needs some more protection. That's why I went with Zion. Sure. Um, and then otherwise, I think your other picks I I, I appreciate it. Particularly, I, I like Jameson to Buffalo, though I think they might keep uh, – I think they still have Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, so I don't know how much they need another receiver. Plus they yeah, that's what I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Their, their receiving core is pretty good, but, you know, it's kind of like some of the other picks I've had. They just need someone to, like, they can slide in. If they need. Uh, any picks that you want me to talk about real quick? No, no, because, I mean, like I said, some of mine are – all of my uh, – like, mine are definitely going to change, but yours are, like – they're pretty – they're always methodical is what I like about your picks, so. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate that. I guess I'll, I'll go into it a little bit. I mean, Jameson Williams, they've drafted Alabama receivers so many times. Uh, Henry Ruggs, obviously. Uh, Amari Cooper before him. And I just think that Jamison Williams is just another speedy Alabama type that Las Vegas's ownership is just going to be like, yes, 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 more, more, more. 
So I, that's why I have Williams. I also think Olave was, would be an incredible dynamic receiver for uh, Mac Jones in New England to run with next year. They, I think he just adds a lot to that receiving core. And then personally for David Ajabo, for him and Walker, it's so hard for me to place them. Walker, I know, is rising up draft boards. Again, I think I'd probably put him at 19 now instead of Kenyon Green going there. But David Ajabo is one of my top 10 prospects. This definitely be my value pick for this. I love Ajabo so much. I think he's a really good pass rusher. I think he's an insane athlete. And I'd love to see him go higher. I just don't know where I'd place him with all these other picks that happened. Maybe he'd go to Philadelphia. Maybe they wouldn't take N'Kobe Dean and they'd take uh, David Ajabo instead. Um, and then the, maybe they wouldn't take Trayvon Walker and maybe they would take Kenyon Green, but I, I don't know. I just, with how the draft ended up, Ajabo just kind of fell for me and he ended up in Buffalo because I think it'd be a nice fit. Yeah, no, um, I agree with that. With that, since there's the, we'd have two odd picks remaining, uh, are we ready to run through 26 to 32? Yeah, wrap it up. Right, so I, this is where I have Traylon Burks going to the Tennessee Titans. Okay, I got Nakobe Dean. Ah, there you go. Like that. I have Carson Strong to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, my last quarterback. Okay, not a very high prospect rank, but his position rank is what intrigues me. But Devontae Wyatt to the Bucks. Ah, uh, okay. The yeah, interior uh, Georgia. I got you. Um, I have Bernard Raymond to the uh, Green Bay Packers. Okay, so I'm gonna. You had him in this last one, but I have David Ajabo. Oh, okay, okay. I have Trevor Penning to the uh, Miami Dolphins. Okay, Tyler Smith for me. Tyler Smith, I feel like I actually recognize that one. Tulsa. Tulsa. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll look at that as I keep going here. I have Daxton Hill to the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, I'm not sure. I'm, my, I'm definitely going to botch his last name, but George Lapis. Oh, George Kalafidis. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. Um, I have Darian Kinnard going to the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, a tackle out of Kentucky. I have Roger McCreary. And then the last player I have going is Jahan Dotson to the Detroit Lions. I have Arnold Ekipde. Or Eb- oh, Eb- Eb- Ekipde, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Um, all right, so Nicobe Dean, I get to Tennessee. I like that. I also like Devontae Wyatt to uh, – Tampa, particularly if they don't resign to Dominican Sue, maybe he retires or something. Um, I'm trying to think here. So then you had uh, David Ajabo to uh, Green Bay, and I do like that, particularly if they – I feel like, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I think your reasoning is particularly if they have to cut, like, Preston Smith or Zaire Smith. Or yeah, both. like, my main reason is that, like, Rashawn Gary, who's, like, been, like, a rising star in our defense, who's been very good. and But, you know, you kind of have – some guys that are like on the lines of Darius Smith, Preston Smith, um, Devontae Campbell, who we signed, who's been pretty good. But I feel like having him on the edge definitely helps. Yeah, but particularly if you have to cut one or both the Smiths and try to save cap somewhere, I, I could see a job of going. Um, who's your Miami pick? Uh, your Miami pick? I, I chose Tyler Smith, and that's my thing. Yeah. I don't know if I'm even going to have him on, but – He's really raw is my thing. Why I'm sure that why you were like, okay, why did he pick him? He's very raw, but his pure size and his length as an offensive line is certainly more than enough for a first caliber pick, but he's very raw. So that I don't think he's going to be on there next time, but that's who I wanted to pick. 
Yes, six six three thirty two, and it says here as I'm doing this actually through PFF, uh, Neil Noraquonu led the FBS in big time blocks last season. It was actually Tyler Smith. So uh, this it says there's also possibility of his ending up being a guard. So there's a little bit of interesting stuff there, uh, at least behind the scenes for it. Um, then you and I both went corner for Kansas City, which makes sense. They do need a lot of secondary help. Um, who was your Cincinnati pick again? Roger McCreary. Oh, that was Roger McCreary. Wait, so then – no, no, you had Carlapidus. Okay, so no, you had Carlapidus to Kansas City, which I do like. Um, though, granted, their edge position has been uh, a little bit better since they traded for uh, – gosh, I'm forgetting his name. But the the former Los Angeles linebacker uh, who then went to Pittsburgh. Um, oh, but no, I, I like McCreary as well, particularly because their secondary was so blah, um, particularly for Super Bowl watching uh, Eli Apple. Eli Apple. <laughs> and then you, uh, and then your last pick for Detroit uh, was Ebikite, um, which is pretty nice, particularly since they didn't have uh, you did, you didn't have him going Aiden Hutchinson, you had him going Kyle Hamilton. So I get that a lot. Yeah. Uh, any questions you have for mine? No. See, I really like how you went. You went corner, right? No, who'd you go for Kansas City? I went with corner Daxon Hill. Corner or uh, yeah. I really like that pick too, because like you said, for mine, so like they for their edge, Kansas City's edge, they ha- definitely have been very like they they've been improving and they've been getting better. I remember when the Chiefs defense was like very scrutinized at one point because like they were like, okay, like the Chiefs defense he helped. But um I feel like your pick actually gives them a lot of help in the secondary. So I like that. Yeah. I mean, I guess if there's any pick that I think I would have to explain um, of the ones I went with, it would probably be the receivers that I took, which is my first and last pick of these seven that we had here. And I I'll explain Traylon Burks. Uh, some people have mocked him to Tennessee, but the reasoning is, is that Julio Jones, I believe has one year left on his contract and he's getting older. So I think to have, not only a diverse receiver like Traylon Burks on the team to pair up with AJ Brown for the future, but to also add to what was a very banged up uh, receiving core last year uh, for Tannehill would be a nice option for Tennessee. And then for Jahan Dotson, he's an incredible route runner. He's basically like uh, Chris Godwin 2.0 in a sense. Well, no, 2.0 would say that he's, that he's better than Dotson. He's basically, so yeah. he's basically, he's basically baby Godwin. That's what he is. Uh, he and Godwin coming out of Penn State were incredible route runners with decent speed and great hands. That's exactly what Jahan Dotson is. And for Detroit to add a really good number two um, behind Amonor St. Brown is pretty quintessential for whatever quarterback will replace Goff most likely in the ne- after next year. I don't think Goff's going to get replaced this season. I think it's going to be a next season thing, and they'll probably try yeah. to draft a quarterback high, um, like a Bryce Young or something. So I think getting Dotson and Monra is going to be great for the future. And then for the present with Jared Goff, I think having Jahan Dotson, Monra St. Brown, and Josh Reynolds is a really good trio that Goff could work with and possibly succeed with. Because Goff wasn't great last year, but he wasn't as bad as I would have thought he or as others were kind of making him out to be. So I think that – Oh, yeah. And, like, didn't he – we lost. The Packers lost to the Lions in, like, week – 16. I think I think the last game, yeah, but granted, yeah, well, that's the thing. And like, there is the games where like I watched Jared Goff and he was on. I mean, he was locked in, and like, it's not like the I don't know if I'd call it resurgence like Matt Stafford had, 
but I feel like the trade that Matt Stafford and Jared Goff like was very good for both quarterbacks. I feel like Jared Goff, I feel like Dan Campbell really, really loves him. And I feel like Dan Campbell really loves that team. And Jared Goff, if he just has some time to grow, maybe they'll resign him. Maybe they won't. But I feel like next year it's his time to prove himself. Mm-hmm. I, uh, so before we wrap up here this podcast, we went through all our picks. Unless you have any picks that you want to ask again um, from the ones that I've done, but granted we've been talking about this for a while i think we just talk about a few of our favorite guys that we didn't take in this in this first round and i'll go ahead and start off with some of the ones that i didn't take and i'll go ahead and name three guys i think it's only uh, no i'll name i'll name four i'll name four the guys that i like that aren't here in the my day one currently malik willis i do think he's a pretty strong quarterback um my only issue is that i i I'm just concerned with all the mistakes that he made at Liberty. And I don't know if that's going to hold up if he's drafted as an an actual starter for a team. I'd rather see him go somewhere to possibly replace someone, maybe a pick 34 to the lions. Uh, Devontae Wyatt. um, He's an incredible uh, defensive lineman, Uh, him alongside his other defensive lineman partners like Trayvon Walker um, are all NFL caliber linemen. And I think Wyatt will go in, uh, be very serviceable for whatever team picks him up. And then the final uh, two guys I want to talk about, Kingsley and Iqbar. I think he's one of the more underrated edge rushers of this draft class. Uh, he's someone that when I've been reading up on him, he worked with the secondary um, coach as well when he was out at South Carolina. So he's been uh, improving some of his coverage abilities as well as he's incredible pass rushing. So he's a really well-rounded edge. And I think that he might be one of the more underrated players of the draft class. I'd love to see him possibly utilized with the New York Jets or uh, Giants or something like that. I think he might be very special. Uh, You know, the the next best edge coming out of South Carolina since Jadavion Clowney. And then my last guy I want to touch up on uh, isn't going to be the other Georgia defensive lineman, Jordan Davis, but instead it's going to be Jaquan Brisker. Uh, I think he's an incredible safety coming out of Penn State, and I think that he's the clear-cut number two safety of this draft class. And eh, maybe not clear-cut, because I do like Lewis Sign as well, but I think that whoever gets Jaquan Brisker is going to have a really good coverage guy there, and um, it's just going to be very solid solid addition to your team in the second round, Um, and he can kind of go anywhere, honestly. So, you know, like those those are definitely some good guys. I don't know if I mentioned any of them either. There was one guy that you mentioned that I really like, and I don't think I even mentioned. I know I never said Charles Cross, did I? No, you did. You said Charles Cross in the top five. Okay. Okay, that's what I was about to say. I was like, I don't know if I did. But um, for me, uh, I want to say Daxton, Daxton Hill. Yeah. I think he's – He's very good. He was part of that Wolverines defense that could just, like, be really, really good at some times. And I feel like he's very underrated as well. And he's definitely, like, one of the best, like, defensive guys, in my opinion. And he's a re- he is five-star athleticism, man. I'm telling you, he's really, really, really talented. And he has really good speed. Um, another guy that I would want to mention is Daniel Falel. I don't know if you mentioned. Mm, yep, yep. Uh, I feel like, I mean, like he's 
we talked about it some with some of our picks, but I mean, he's, I mean, he's just, I mean, so these guys are massive. I mean, six foot eight, three eighty seven. I mean, he's huge. And like, he just has a lot of really good tools. His sheer size is enough to get up there drafted. And he really, you can see it. He really like loves the game and he really drives. Like when, when he, when that ball is snapped, he is not letting anyone get to that quarterback. And I really like that drive about him. And then uh, one of the other guys I did like is Logan Hall. Um, he's a really, really good defensive lineman. I feel like he's done very well. And I feel like the combine will show what he's a, what his like abilities are. And I watched some stuff on him, not a lot. I mean, because obviously we didn't mention him, but if you watch anything of him being double team, he he gets out of it. Like he splits them clean. And he's also a very devastating guy with top end speed, like I've mentioned with some of the other guys. But those are just some of those are three guys that I didn't mention that I feel like could be in this top 32. Absolutely. Uh, with that, with that being said, uh, as we're ending the again towards the end of this episode, Nick, do you have anything else that you have to add? You know what? Not really. I don't really have anything else I need to add. I feel like for sure our picks are going to change. Some of them will stay, like yours with Kenny Pickett, Trevor Penning for me. But I feel like there's a lot of upside to this class, and there's definitely a lot of guys that we maybe didn't even mention that could sneak in. And I feel like um, there's a lot of talent in this class, without a doubt. And we'll just have to see. I mean, we'll probably look at this every couple of weeks. We still got about two months till the actual draft starts, and you know, things are bound to change. And I feel like we'll definitely have. I, it's, it'd be fun to compare what we have now to what we'll have in a couple in like a month or two. And oh, yeah. I feel like this was just a really good start into what is going to be a really, really good thing to look at. I couldn't have actually ended that better myself. Definitely an incredible start here to look here at the mock draft uh, here at 3304 as it is mock draft season. Um, as, as you were saying, Nick, it, this is going to be expected to change. It'd be nice to see and look back at this and see exactly uh, uh, what, what, what changes for us quite possibly. Um, it'll be exciting to be able to talk uh, more and more about this as we're not only going to have our own mock drafts that might get updated, but looking at other experts that are going to update their mock drafts. And, uh, you know, once we actually get to the day, um, honestly, going to say it here and we'll see what happens with it. But I kind of want to do what we were thinking of doing last year and possibly either live streaming or just kind of live calling and posting it after our reactions to every pick of the first round. But that we'll see how that turns out. That's just a little bit of something where I want to knock on wood and pray because that's something I would like to do. But Oh yeah, and I'd love to do that as well. That seems like something that would be that's very fun. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to do it and we'll see what more content we're going to have dropping here for the mock draft as we move on to the next couple months. Uh, very exciting. Great uh, end to this week. We will have Carter Hill on here um, within the next couple of days to talk about the Miami game for Virginia Tech basketball. But with that being said, I want to thank you all so much for listening to yet another episode of 33 or 4 Sports Podcast. Uh, be sure to look on uh, you know, Spotify or whatever you're listening to uh, your podcast to for episodes that you may have missed and for future episodes. I've been Colby and Bertram, joined alongside by Nick Royden. Thank you all so very much, and I hope you all have a great rest of your day.